Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2015 Phoenix Gospel Truth Seminar. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Everybody blessed today? Amen. I am blessed to be here. Let me get there. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. We are blessed, and I just praise you for working mightily in every single person's heart and life. Thank you, Father, that your gifts and calling is without repentance. I thank you that you have a purpose, a plan A, and you're not changing your mind, and you are leading and guiding us toward that purpose constantly. And I thank you that you are speaking. We are your sheep. You are the shepherd. And we hear your voice. Now help us recognize what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 8. I'm sharing on the leading of the Lord and specifically the voice of God and how to know if you're hearing God. How do you discern the voice of God? How do you know the difference between this is God speaking to me versus my own mind? How do I discern this is truth in God or some deception of the, of the enemy? And so I'm giving you some things to help you discern the voice of the Lord, to recognize the voice of the Lord. Because these scriptures say that God is leading us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself, better translation says himself, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Then he talks about, and if children, then heirs of God and join heirs with Jesus. So by new birth, it is your birthright to be led of God. That is your inheritance from God as his child now, as a part of the new creation and being a new creation now in Christ Jesus, you have a birthright to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to the voice of the Lord. He is your shepherd, you are his sheep, and John 10 says that his sheep hear his voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not, they will not follow. So. We're looking at ways then to, to confirm this is God leading me because this leading is in the present tense. We're looking at things that can confirm what I'm hearing is the voice of God because the voice of God is not always audible to these ears and your eardrum. God can speak audible. There are instances in scripture where he spoke audible. He spoke to the entire nation of Israel at Mount Sinai audibly and they all heard God speak at the same time. And that was one of the many mistakes they made is they actually were so fearful of the voice of God, they told Moses and asked Moses, would he go up and hear what God is saying and come back and tell them what God is saying. Boy, that was a mistake to forfeit your personal inheritance to the voice of God, your personal relationship, and to even welcome a mediator between you and the voice of God. That's not wise. We're not under that old covenant law. Can I get a witness? And there are no mediators between you and God that you have to go to to hear God. 
You have a birthright to the voice of God, a birthright to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Turn over to Psalms 32. Psalms chapter 30, 32. And I want to share another, another passage on God's voice here and how that we need to be sensitive to the voice of God. We need to discern, again, the language of the Holy Spirit. And it's not always an audible, an audible voice. In Psalms 32, verse 8, 32, 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee with my eye. With my what? With my eye. That's God's plan. That was God's purpose. And he's reinstating here the power of the eye of God, or we know that as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the eye of the Lord. And that's what bears witness with our spirit, that we're the children of God. That's where the primary leading of God comes from is the Holy Spirit in your spirit, and then your spirit communicating to your soul. That's why many times when you hear God, it sounds like it's you. And that's why it can be confusing. Is this God or is this me? Because it's coming from my spirit that is in union with the spirit of Christ. That the Holy Spirit is in there, that river of living water. And so I have to then be able to discern is this, again, the eye of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord, the scriptures say, are running throughout the entire earth looking for those that God might show himself strong on their behalf whose heart is perfect toward him. So this is a reference to the Holy Spirit here. But look at verse nine. Be ye not as a horse or as a mule. That's so powerful. Let it go, Dwayne. I do need to hurry. Which have no understanding whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Don't be like a, a stubborn horse. Don't be like a mule. I don't know if you've ever had a mule, but I mean, I, I've seen good Christians led to cussing over a mule and dealing with a hard-headed mule and trying to get them to, to turn, to go to the right or to the left. Again, one of the reasons we struggle with the voice of God is we're so five senses dominated and we're trained in our culture to be literally controlled by your five physical senses. And if you can't discern something with your five physical senses, it's not true or it's not real. And yet there is the eye of the Lord. There is the spirit of the Lord. There is that, that river of living water that will come out of our bellies, which is the Holy Spirit. And that again is in your, your spirit, your sixth sense. And so you have to learn to walk by faith. You have to learn to discern that sixth sense instead of your five senses. I've discovered in most churches, unfortunately, and in too many believers' lives, we have forfeited our birthright for a bowl of the five physical senses of soup. We are more dominated by what we see versus what God says. We are more dominated by our, our, our smell, our taste, our hear, our touch, our emotions, our feelings, our human reasoning, instead of that still small voice I've talked to you about. Instead of that voice that you'll hear behind you, this is the way. Walk ye 
walk ye in it. So again, how do we, how do we discern that voice? The different languages of God. You know, the, the thing that's encouraging to me even in teaching this is that I've not arrived and I'm continually growing. I'm continually, continually learning and developing an ear to hear. I'm continually learning and growing to be sensitive, to have a sensitive heart to the voice of the Lord. Harden not our hearts, Hebrews chapter 3 talks about as they did in the day of provocation. When God spoke to them, they didn't take heed to the voice of the Lord. And I'm certain that many of us are hearing God and not taking heed. Or we're hearing God and we just dismiss it. We disregard it. It's, it's not that we're in rebellion, but it's that we don't know that's God. We didn't know how to discern it. We didn't know how to judge it. And so let me, let me get out of, out of this introduction quickly here and go over some witnesses that I began to talk to you about in our last session. That God has given us multiple witnesses so that we can have confidence. Multiple witnesses so our faith can increase even in the voice of God. I appreciate all the feedback that I've gotten this morning about not only the people coming to the altars expecting to receive from God, but just as the Lord showed me, the altar workers begin to press into words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy over people. God began to, to use us as we mix faith with the Word of God. Because this promise of God leading us, this promise of Him guiding us is not just automatic. You have to mix faith with the promises of God. So you have to act in some type of faith obedience when you believe God is speaking to you. And that's where these multiple witnesses come in that will keep you from hurting yourself in missing God. Keep you from hurting anybody else in missing God because everybody misses God. Now I know in a lot of our circles you're not supposed to confess that and I understand that. And I know what people are trying to say, but everybody misses God. Not one amen. Praise God. Well, I just proved everybody just missed God right there. Amen. And I used to be so afraid. Now watch this. I need to hurry. Come on now. I used to be so afraid of missing God, though, that I would hold back. Because I didn't want to miss God. And man, once I figured out that it's okay to miss God, now that doesn't sound right. It's not okay to miss God, but I'm gonna miss God. And if I don't step out, I've already missed God anyway. That didn't help anybody? It helped me that, well, I'm already missing God. If he's telling me to minister to that person, if he's telling me to give him a word, if he's telling me and I haven't learned how to discern it and step out and mix faith with it, I'm missing him already. So once I got over that and realized even if I do miss him, a righteous man falls down seven times, but he gets back up again, amen? And so we just need to be quick to apologize if we miss God, amen? And not wallow in it and not let it condemn us and cause us now to back up or back out of God using us. So if anybody's honest with you, if you meet people used by God, if they're honest with you, they can show you times they've missed God as well as heard God if they're honest. All right, so what will help us miss God less? Can I say it that way? I want to miss God as, as little as possible 
and I want to get it right. And I believe you want to get it right or you wouldn't be here. So what are these multiple witnesses? First of all, let's go back over the first one, the primary multiple witnesses. And, and the first one is the word of God. God's spirit that's leading you from within, the eye of the Lord within you, the moving of the spirit upon your spirit will never lead you contrary to the word of God. One more time. Whatever voice you hear, whatever language God communicates to you in his voice, it will never violate the word of God. Now see, once you know that, that even is a great start. And remember, go to Hebrews because it's so important. Hebrews chapter, chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, we see the biblical definition of the heart and the power of God's word as it relates to your heart. We see the biblical definition of the heart of man and the power of God's word as it relates to the heart of man. The writer of the book here is trying to explain how powerful God's word is. I didn't go to the verse before the one I looked at. Let's start again in verse 12 though. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You're trying to explain, you're communicating to man by the spirit how powerful God's word is, how sure God's word is, how confident you can be in God's word. And so you're going to find an illustration that would be the most difficult thing to cut, the most difficult thing to divide. How sharp is God's word? Well, it is so sharp, it'll divide, it'll cut asunder, and you're going to give the hardest example to show how sharp God's word is, to show how powerful God's word is. He didn't say the word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of butter. Well, that wouldn't impress anybody. I'm not real impressed with the power of the word of God. It'll cut butter. But if it is so powerful, if it's so sharp, watch this. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, and is the discerner in thoughts and intents of the heart. He gave you the hardest thing to divide in the universe to show you how powerful God's word is in your life and that it is so sharp, it'll even divide your spirit from your soul or your soul from your spirit. It'll divide the joints that goes under the soul from the marrow that goes under the spirit. And it'll divide the, the thoughts of the heart that are under your soul and the intents of the heart that's in your spirit. So how do I know did this come from my spirit or from my soul? See, it may come from my spirit to my soul and that be God, but whatever originates in my soul is just my soul. Just me, just my thoughts. So God's word divides my intent, that's my spirit, from my thoughts, my soul. It's the discerner. It'll discern. What am, what am I teaching on? How do I discern? Is this God speaking to me? God's word is the discerner. All right, praise God. Uh, maybe I'm just overexcited about it. 
I just supposed you would all know I was the deliverer. <laughs> Bottom line is that has transformed my life and I can always count on whatever God is saying to me. Just, just bring it under the light of God's word. Psalms 119, verse 104, the entrance of God's word giveth understanding. God's word will give me understanding. Is that the spirit and from the spirit? Or is that my soul and from just my soul? My carnal, unrenewed, unrenewed mind. I did a meeting in 1986. I had resigned from the Methodist church and was traveling full time. And this church had invited me to their one-year anniversary in Durant, Oklahoma. And so I went and did their one-year anniversary for them and I ministered for four nights. And uh, wow, it was amazing, the response. And uh, thousands of cassette tapes went out, just thousands. I mean, it was, it was awesome how many messages went out and how hungry the people were for the Word of God. Well, I had an office in Atoka, Oklahoma at the time and was traveling out of Atoka. And I went into my office and as my custom was, if I wasn't in a meeting, I need, to, I need to study to show myself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because scriptures have to be divided from old covenant and new covenant and law versus grace, a lot of work in the sense of applying yourself. And so my custom was if I wasn't on the road, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna study and pray and seek God. And I would start, <laughs> sorry, I'm just... It's funny to me and I need to move on, but I'd start my day off with, Lord, if there's anything you need me to do today, you need to speak to me. Otherwise, I'm going to do what you've already told me. You know, a lot of you want to hear the voice, oh, help me, Jesus. Everybody say, I love, Brother Dwayne. A lot of people want to hear the voice of God, but they won't obey the written word of God. The written word of God is God's voice in your life. And so if I don't hear a word from God, I'm going to obey the word voice of God. And I'd pray that every time. But am I the only one that can be honest and say a lot of times you pray, but you're really not expecting to hear anything. <laughs> so it's almost like you're shocked. It's like, Lord, is there anything you want me to do today? And I was ready to go on to studying. And just as plain, I heard on the inside of me, and I can't explain it, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was so clear. It was so sharp. It, it sounded audible to me. Call the pastor in Durant. There's a problem. That's what I heard. I'm sorry, it's ringing. Uh, <laughs> All right. Hello. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep, I'll do it. All right. Thanks. The Lord said. I'm telling you, he's talking to you. So, so I heard out of my spirit. I heard out of my spirit, call the pastor, there's a problem. Now that was my spirit. But guess what kicked in immediately? My soul. Then I started hearing, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Maybe I said something, because it was six months later after that meeting, and I've been in meetings where my cassette tapes would go out and it would, instead of being a blessing to the church, it would cause problems. Because everybody would be coming to the pastor saying, have you heard this and you need to hear, 
And so I was used to getting called on the carpet for things. And so my mind just started running with me then. But watch, I had to mix faith with it. What if this is God? And so I had to have an action. I had to mix faith. So what did I do? I just called the pastor up and humbled myself and said, listen, I was in prayer today and I just felt like the Lord put you on my heart and, and that there might be a problem. And then I said, not what the Lord said, I said, have I done anything? Is there anything I may have created for you, a problem or something? And this pastor started crying on the phone. Now this was in 1986 and I understood grace to a measure at least. I had an open vision of the cross and saw the grace of God and was living under it and preaching it. And, but man, I also knew about Ananias and Sapphira who died at church. I also knew Herod didn't give God glory and worms ate him up. And so, I mean, I thought, oh my God, what have I done to bring a pastor to tears? God's gonna kill me. I'm gonna die. I mean, I started sweating. I was panicking. I couldn't hardly breathe. It was terrible. And he's crying. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but 30 seconds can seem like eternity in a situation like that. And I was bracing myself for the worst. And he finally got his composure and he said, Pastor Dwayne, you've not done anything. Your cassette tapes have literally kept me alive since you were here six months ago. And my wife is in the bedroom right now packing, leaving me. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I got so excited. That God isn't going to kill me. I didn't do anything wrong. I said, brother, don't let her leave. I'm on my way. I'll do anything. I knew God didn't tell me that and not want me to help him. And I was so excited about I hadn't sinned. I hadn't done anything wrong. When I got there, her, she was leaving and the tell, I saw the taillights of her car because she didn't want to see me. I ministered to him. He was so depressed, obviously. He was fixing to shut the church down, give up in the ministry. And I said, no, no, God wouldn't have spoke that to me if he didn't want me to help you. I'll help you through this. I was so excited that I didn't do anything wrong. I'd have done anything for that guy. <laughs> I, and God set me up. And I don't mean it bad when I say it, but he set me up. I told that guy, I said, look, you go get your marriage back together. I don't want a pastor. I just resigned from pastoring. I've been delivered from sin and pastoring and I thought I would never do either habitually again. And I told him, I don't want your church. All my meetings can be postponed. They're friends of mine. I can help you with this. You've got six months to get your marriage back together. I will just keep this going because it's not God's will to shut it down. There were only like 20 to 30 people coming and nobody on Wednesdays. And so it looked bleak, but I knew God wouldn't have said that to me if he didn't want me to help him. And that ministry wasn't vital. Amen or oh me. So how did I know the next step? Love. The love of God. That's the second witness when you're hearing the spirit of God. The spirit of God will never contradict the nature of God. And the nature of God is love. You know you're being led by the Spirit when you love people more than yourself, when you prefer people before yourself. That'll always be a confirming witness, a multiple witness that you're hearing, that you're hearing God. 
I made a deal with him. I said, look, if you don't get your marriage back together and you don't come back, I just need one promise from you that I can give this to whoever God wants to pastor it because I'm not staying. After six months, then I'll raise up leadership and I've been trying to get out of there for 28 years. <laughs> One of the most embarrassing things I've ever done I feel bad about it and I just can't believe I'm going to tell it now, but it needs to be told is I got up every month for three years and told those people, I am not staying. <laughs> God sent me here on assignment. I obeyed him. I heard him. I'm supposed to be here, but I am getting things in order. I'm raising up leadership. And we're going to find a pastor. And that thing went from 20 people in a double wide trailer to now over 2,000 people in a town of 15,000 people with multiple locations with over 6,000 people in all of our locations combined. After three years, it took me three years to heed the call of God. And he wasn't angry with me through any of that. The people were, but he wasn't. <laughs> God knew my heart. And until it comes into my heart to pastor, you know, pastoring is, is horrible. I mean, it's like wrestling with a bear. You can't quit when you're tired, amen? Man, when you go on the road, you can drop a, drop a nuclear bomb and leave a cloud as you're leaving the town, hallelujah. But I gotta deal with all the radioactivity that you left when you come into my church and drop a bomb on me. So it's just challenging and I just couldn't see me living with mean people. I could see me loving them enough to tell them the truth and leave. I just couldn't see me living. And I had so many messed up concepts of church and I didn't want no part of it. I knew that they would mess my wife up. I knew they would destroy my kids. It's the way I view church that Sue is gonna start coloring her hair and playing the piano and falling in her makeup. <laughs> Let that go. That, you can't even explain all of that. <laughs> How do you know you're hearing God? I was at peace those three years running two ministries, my traveling ministry in the church. And I had a deal with them that I, as long as they let me outside the four walls, I'll, I'll, I'll get us a pastor. And yet God's patience with me and love for me and blessing me through the whole thing. And it wasn't that I was rebelling, it's that I just couldn't see me in that role. And then suddenly the multiple witnesses started overtaking me. That God is blessing what I'm doing. That God sent me here and he doesn't always tell you the whole story. Remember he told Stephen or Philip when he was in a revival in the book of Acts, chapter eight down in Samaria, he said, go to Gaza into the desert. That's all he said until he mixed faith with it and went to Gaza. Then he heard, join yourself to the chariot. So God does speak to you and to please him, it's not the obedience out of law, but it's obedience out of the relationship and faith. I obeyed him in faith going, but I was struggling and he knew I was struggling and he, he knew it so much he didn't tell me. If he'd have told me, go to Durant, pastor, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> I couldn't have discerned it. 
I would have rebelled. But he just kind of. And one day I just woke up and doggone it, I'm the pastor. <laughs> now, what you're not hearing is how easy it was to be led by the Lord and how I didn't have to. The point I'm trying to make that nobody gets is that I didn't have to force it. I didn't even have to force myself on the people as their pastor. There were so many multiple witnesses. We've only took one vote in 28 years. And it was for me to stay. And I thought I'd trick God. Well, I don't have time for all of this. I've got to hurry. But this is, I don't tell this often. This is miraculous. We had gotten up to 400 people by that three-year mark. And I went to the elders, all of them, multiple witnesses. You're supposed to stay. You're our pastor. And they just flat told me, wherever you go, we're going anyway. <laughs> I tried to quit one time and everybody said, fine, where are we going? <laughs> so I thought, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll take a vote and I have to have 100% vote of confidence. 400 people have to vote yes. I thought I had God over, <laughs> over a barrel. The elders went, have you lost your mind? There aren't 400 people on the planet that can agree on anything. And I said, well, if we get 400, we'll know it's God. Now, I know I probably shouldn't have done that. I'm not saying that was God. I'm saying we got 400 votes, yes. Everybody voted yes. Everybody missed God that day. You know what that did for me though? It gave me confidence that God's will, if my heart's right, if I keep my heart right, we are being led. Not we're gonna be led, not we might be led, not if we're good enough, not if we're holy enough, not if we're, youth is fit, we are being led. And just a little bit of faith, mixing a little bit of faith with it. What if I hadn't called that pastor? What if I'd have just said, that's just my mind. And what if I hadn't have known to discern the difference between the intent of my heart, that was the voice of God, versus the soul of my heart, what have I done wrong? I had to mix faith with what I thought was the intent of my heart. Whatever my mind, my soul, we're going to work that out as we walk with God. So number one is the word of God. Number two is the, is the love of God. Remember Romans chapter five, verse five says, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So guess what's in your spirit by the Holy Ghost? Love. The love of God is in your spirit. So when you hear from your spirit, it will always be love. It will always confirm the nature of God. And again, I know we don't even know what love is in our culture. We have abused the word love and misused the word love that we don't even know what it means when we say God's love or God loves you. I had a man in my office years ago trying to convince me God told him to leave his wife and that he loved this Cambodian, blonde Cambodia refugee lookalike. That'll hit you later. I don't have time to explain that. I'm trying to tell him that's not God and that's not love. You don't understand, I love her. That is not love. And you, you, you have to go to 1 Corinthians 13 where love is defined. It's actually written out for you. Here's what it looks like. 
Here's how it acts. Here's how it thinks. And finally, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach him. And so I went, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this one. You love her. He just got so excited and relieved. You, you believe me? Absolutely. I believe you love her. And he thought that meant and was going to lead to, it's okay for you to divorce your wife now, leave your beautiful children and run off with this anorexic, blonde, Cambodia refugee lookalike. And, and suddenly then I hit him and said, now explain to me though how that's love for your wife. You may say you love her, but Romans 13.10 says, love works no ill to its neighbor. How's that loving your wife? You don't love your wife. How's that loving your kids? You don't love your kids. How's that loving your legacy, your grandkids? How's that loving me? You're working ill toward me, your pastor. You tell me you love me? And you're going to destroy your life and your wife and your kids and everybody okay so far? See, it wasn't God speaking to him. How do I know and how can I be so confident? It violates the word of God and it violates the love of God. Boy, that's good. I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's all right. No, I don't want a welfare clap. No, no. <laughs> Number three, kingdom protocol. Kingdom protocol. God's voice will never violate kingdom protocol. And the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink, Romans 14, 17, but it is in righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. See, the voice of God is, is, is a part of the kingdom of God, that unseen kingdom that is already here. And it's the Holy Ghost that makes up the kingdom of God, the rule of God in the earth, the domain of God. And when the Holy Ghost leads me, it will match kingdom protocol. And when a voice or any language, a dream, a vision, a prophecy, an impression, an intuition, a thought, a picture, a name, a desire, it will always match kingdom protocol. God will never by his spirit speak to you from your, your spirit, your inward man, to do something unrighteous. And how do I know it's God? When God speaks, there's always joy. Look, and then there's always peace. There is a scripture I wanted to give you. And they're supposed to be giving you some references on these. Isaiah 45, 19. Can you put that up for me real quick? Isaiah 45, 19. Maybe not. Everybody turn to Isaiah. Let me show you how clear this one is. Isaiah 45. What, what is the verse? 19, 45, 19. All right, look at verse, verse 19. I have not spoken in secret. Amen. <laughs> Why isn't God speaking to me? God is speaking to you. Why aren't you hearing? Because he's not speaking in secret. Well, God showed me this. And remember, one of the ways you know you didn't hear God is if you are the only one that heard God. He's not speaking to any of us in secret. He's not showing me something nobody else knows. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've not spoken in secret in a dark place on the earth. 
I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are what? So if I hear the voice of God, it'll always be right. It'll be righteous. That's his voice. Do you know every time you had a thought of doing something right, that was the voice of God speaking to you? Do you know every time you've had an impression or, or a prompting to go do something righteous, that was God speaking to you? And you can learn to test that. You can learn to mix faith with that. And once you start responding, yielding, mixing faith with the voice of God, that's what causes your confidence to start increasing and it gets clearer and clearer and you learn how to turn the soul side off quicker and listen to the spirit side, the intent. My intent is always right from the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's always clear, but many times I muddy the water with my soul. And so I got to act in faith and, and step out. Every time you've heard God, how do I know when I'm hearing God? There'll be joy. We receive Mark chapter four, verse 16 says, when the word is spoken and the word comes, you could say the voice of God. When the voice of God comes, we receive it with gladness. There's always joy when you hear God. This is part of ministry that I love when God uses me, and that's one of the witnesses he can use in your life. I'll get to that here in a minute. But when, when people hear God without exception, joy just starts being released. Gladness just comes all over them. The lady I talked to you about in the last session, as soon as I showed her she's hearing God, not what she's got to do, 35,000 things to deserve and earn a privilege, the voice of God. Once I showed her, you're hearing God, her whole countenance changed. It was God in me bearing witness to God in her that she was hearing God and the first thing that came was joy. She got so excited. That's what happens when you hear God. There's always a joy. Well, that is so different than most of us have been taught. We think, again, if we hear God, he's going he's gonna to ask us to do something we hate, and he's going to, man, he's going to make me go to Africa and eat tree bark, and if I follow God, he'll make me marry an ugly woman. <laughs> All kinds of crazy stuff comes into people's head, and I'm telling you, there are people that don't want to hear God. Now, they won't come. See, they, I make them face it. I'm making some of you face it right now. But it really shocked me earlier in the ministry how many groups don't want to hear God and how many individuals don't want to hear God because of these concepts they have that if I hear God, I'll have a miserable existence. If I hear God... He'll make me do things I don't want to do. If I hear God, I won't have any fun. How many young people are not following God today because they think serving God is miserable? They've seen some of you and they just don't want to be that way. <laughs> I'll let that go. I'm talking to people that aren't here. God sends me all over the world to talk to people that aren't there. Yeah, you're hearing God. You just don't want to hear God. And so that peace, I shared Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Notice that in Colossians 3, 15, 
it says, let the peace of God rule your hearts. Not peace with God. Everybody in here has peace with God through the blood of his cross. Everyone in here has peace with God. God has made peace with you. He is not angry with you. He is not wroth with you. He'll never leave or forsake you until the ends of the age. He'll never punish you. He'll never turn on you. He has made peace with you and is at peace with you through the blood of his cross. So this peace that I'm talking about as a multiple witness is the peace of God. And many times the absence of peace is the voice of God telling me no. Well, I'm waiting on God to say no. Well, he just did. You don't have any peace with this. Amen. Did you know the scriptures teach us to grieve not the Holy Spirit? that is among us, quench not the Holy Spirit. Now think about this for a minute. If it's possible for us to grieve and quench the Holy Spirit, where is the Holy Spirit? He's in your spirit. So if he got grieved or quenched, don't you think your spirit would feel it? it I'm telling you the good ones are over here. The sheep are on the left. <laughs> Do you know, I didn't know for years that feeling, have you ever said you just feel in your gut? That's your belly. That's, your, that's the center of your, of your spirit, man. Now, I know there is your natural gut, but there is a, your spirit is right in here, your belly and, and you can start to head in a direction and you, I'm not talking about your five senses feeling. I'm talking about you feel a quenching. Something just doesn't feel right. It's like taking a shower with your socks on. You can't figure it out, but something doesn't feel right. And some of you, I love you, but you couldn't tell if you even looked down if you had your socks on. Oh, you can tell it's my last session. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was mean. I'm just saying, I've had, I didn't know that was God. See, I didn't have anybody disciple me. I didn't have a father. I wasn't a part of a healthy community of believers where the older women teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their kids. You mean you got to be taught to love a husband? Well, we can tell you ain't got one. Of course you have to be taught to love them. Well, there's so much coming out. I apologize. I'm trying to hurry too. I'm just telling you, we're supposed to be taught by the older that have lived it, the doctrine. We need people that are living it, that are the message. Don't be telling me all this stuff and living there. I need somebody that is the message. I need somebody that's living the message, got some flesh of the message on them that can say that ain't God. That ain't God, young man. You ate too much pizza before you went to sleep. Were you saying God isn't speaking to me in dreams? No, I'm saying that dream wasn't God. Amen. And so, where am I? Peace. 
Let's go to the next one. Number four, desires. Andrew, I guess, ministers on this a lot, but it's powerful. Psalms 37. I've got to hurry now because I've got 10 of these things. So I know we ain't going to make it, but I'm going to try fast. We ain't going to make it. Uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That's not saying if I desire your wife, I can delight in God and get your wife. Or I desire that Cadillac. And if I delight in God, he'll get me that Cadillac. No, it's saying as I delight, as I focus, as I seek the kingdom first, he changes the desires of my heart and those desires are his plan for my life. Those desires are him speaking to me and leading me. At nine, I didn't know any better than just to love God. I was so excited about being saved and so desires to go into the ministry were in my heart. It was God speaking to me. 13, I wanna be in church. Every time the doors are open, that wasn't my flesh. I was delighting in God and I just, and yet I was taught in church again how you know the voice of God and you know the will of God is if you don't want to do it. And unfortunately, that's a true statement if you're not delighting in God. If you're under the law and you're miserable, mad, and mean, and God speaks to you, chances are because of strengthening sin in your life and your flesh being so, so energized, you're probably not going to want to do what God wants you to do. But man, when you're just loving on God, you're delighting in God. I'm telling you, that's how he speaks to you. You have a desire. You desire to go to Bible school. You need to test that. Your flesh doesn't want to go to Bible school. Everybody in here is having desires right now to move to Durant. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's God. I better not joke about that because I've heard preachers say stuff like that. I didn't mean that literally. I'm joking. I only want those of you that have a lot of money to come to Durant. Now see, that's a lie too. But some of you were thinking it. That's your soul. Next number. Number five, godly counsel. See, you don't go to counsel and get counselors to tell you the will of God. But when the voice of God comes to you, or a prompting, a leading of the Lord, then godly counsel is an affirmation. Yes. Like prophecy, that's one of them that's in there. Amen. Let's fly through these and then I want to end with an illustration. Number six, after godly counsel that is a multiple witness, number six, prophecy. Again, I don't have anybody prophesy over me and that's the first I've ever heard of that. But I can't tell how many prophecies have been spoken over me that that was the first I ever heard of that. And I've had so many crazy things prophesied over me. Do you know there's a reason why the Bible says despise not prophesying? Y'all didn't know that. Did you know I've never told anybody not to steal a camel? There aren't any camels around here. <laughs> For him to say despise not prophesying means they were. Okay. You can get to a point that you've heard so many people say, thus saith the Lord over you, that you're, you're as confused as a termite in a wooden yo-yo. You're just spinning. 
what is God's will for me? I'm an apostle. I'm a I've had all five things prophesied over me in the fivefold ministry gift. Amen. I, I don't have time to tell all the crazy stuff. So the bottom line is prophecy according to 1 Corinthians 14 is to, is to edify you, exhort you, and comfort you. Well, how can those three happen if you hadn't heard God already? But if you've heard God and someone prophesies over you as a multiple witness, a confirming voice, that's what brings the comfort. That's what edifies you down, builds you up and exhorts you to change something and take a step forward. The next one quickly, number seven of multiple witnesses. Man, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I had a man come to me, his daughter had run away, asked me to pray for him. I prayed and I had a picture, just bam. A phone booth and a street name, just bam. That was a word of knowledge. It was the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I looked at the man, I tested it. I wasn't arrogant with it. I wasn't beyond correction and I wasn't infallible. So I tested it. And so I said, do you know of a street called such and such? And he said, yeah. And I said, is there a phone booth on that corner? He said, yeah. Now see, there's two. I knew right then, I saw, I saw that and it was God. I heard God, the voice of God. God showed me through the gifts of the Holy Spirit where that girl was. I said, your daughter is in that phone booth. He got in the car, went there and there she was in the phone booth making plans to run away. She's an active member in my church now and every time I say something to her, she says, yes, sir. <laughs> you operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you'll get people's attention. The next one, number eight, provisions. God will provide when you mix faith with his voice in your life. When you mix faith with the leading of the Lord, he will provide. And that's 1 Kings chapter 17, verses four and verses nine. That's where Elijah was told to go to the brook and ravens would bring him his meal. Now that probably was roadkill, but God still met his need. <laughs> so you don't always get what you want, but you'll get your need met. And did you know he had to humble himself to receive that meat from a raven? Because a raven was an unclean bird under the law. Amen. Sometimes God uses unclean vessels to get provisions to us to get his will done in the earth. I had somebody tell me one time about a gift that was given to the ministry. Aren't you concerned that that might be tainted money? I said, yeah, it tain enough. <laughs> I'm concerned that's tainted. It tain enough. I need provisions and I'm not saying I would accept something. Well, I don't have time to explain this. <laughs> Number nine is spiritual authorities in your life. First Peter chapter four, verse 11 says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. So while I am not the primary source, Andrew's not the primary source of the voice of God in your life. Listen, we are confirming witnesses of what God is doing in your life and already saying to you. What lights my fire is when people come up to me and say, God's been showing me this, but I wasn't quite getting it. And you put the dots together. God does speak through spiritual authorities in our lives. 
They can be such a, I can be such a powerful blessing to those that attend Victory Life if they look to God first. If they look to me, no, I, I'm going to disappoint them and, be, and, and, and mess them up. But if they look to God, I mean, I can be such a voice of affirmation, confirmation, and on and on I can go. And then the last, the last two are circumstances. You've got to be careful there. Under the Old Testament, they, did, they weren't born again. They weren't spilt filled. So there were a lot of things called fleeces. And I still think under the New Testament, God can use circumstances, but you've got to be very cautious there. And then the last one is a godly spouse. And uh, thank God I'm out of time. Because some people do misunderstand this and they think God sent the Holy Ghost and wives to lead us into all truth. And that's not true, but a godly spouse, wow. I'll quit with this. We were so busy. I'm <laughs> thinking we were busy then compared to now. But uh, I was just really busy. And one of my elders just said, I just need some time with you. And I know you're busy, but can we just get away and just do something, go fishing. And I said, sure, we, we, let's just go fishing, absolutely. And so we didn't tell anybody where we were going because we wouldn't be able to go fishing. And no, no phones. And we were fishing on this pond and it was getting just about the time where the fish started to bite. And I can't explain it. I wish I had more time for the testimony, but I'm gonna seal all this up with this. I heard on the inside, like a voice behind me, still small voice, New Living Translation says a whisper, just a whisper, I'm fishing. And I hear a whisper, like somebody behind me, something's wrong with one of your kids. Now that's bizarre in and of itself. How could that be God? Why wouldn't he tell me what kid? Why wouldn't he tell me what's wrong? I don't have the answers to all that. All I heard was something's wrong with one of my kids. So I look over at the elder and I said, I think the Lord just spoke to me and something's wrong with one of my kids. <laughs> and bless his heart, he went, are you sure? <laughs> and I was honest. I said, no, I'm, I'm not sure. It's just a prompting, it's just a, a feeling. And I love this man to this day for this. He looked at me and he said, I've been with you so long. You've been right so many times and wrong so little. We better go check. We packed everything up. I drove into the church parking lot. A man come running out of the church and I rolled my window down and said, something has happened to one of my children. Where are they? That scared him. He turned white as a ghost. He couldn't hardly talk. He said, it's Jacob. And he's right around the corner in the hospital. And I didn't even stop the car. Didn't even stop the car. Jacob had been on the swing sets and he was six years old and he would jump out of the swing set, swing set and do a flip to impress the girls. <laughs> yeah, it starts early. <laughs> and so I'm trying to teach him, this will get you into trouble. You do not do things to impress girls. You just don't do that. Don't do that anymore. Well, he done it again. He fell and broke his arm. And here's what's cool. I'm going into the hospital right down the street and I don't have time to explain all this. So please hear the spirit of what I'm saying. 
But he had already seen miracles. He'd already been on the road with me and, and seen supernatural things happen. And, and we had taught them when they were little, you've got to act on your faith. Whatever you believe for, you've got to act on some measure of what you believe because faith without works is dead. So when I walked into there, Jacob literally lifted up his broke arm and he knew I was just going to grab his arm, put it back together and we're walking out of here. That's the kind of faith he had. Now I know that I need time to explain all that and I'm just telling you what happened. Here's what is so cool. That kid had so much faith at six. He, he broke his arm on the swing set and on the, in, the, in the play area, was laying on the ground. He wanted his dad. So Sue came and he says, where's dad? And Sue said, your dad's out fishing. And he didn't tell any of us where he was going. And a six-year-old kid said, can we pray and ask God to speak to dad to come home? Now don't misunderstand me. He loves his mom, but he knows where the power comes from. <laughs> and evidently I don't, but the bottom line is, I started to grab his arm and was going to pop it back together in the name of Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, don't touch it. Now that's strange. I'm, I'm going to act on my... And I wrestled. Don't touch it. Then I just started thinking on God. Don't, don't accept any thoughts in my mind. I knew something else is wrong here. I'm thinking it's broke, and if I pop it back together, so something must be wrong for God to tell me not to touch it. So I said, I need to talk to the doctor. Something else is wrong here. I talked to him. They showed me the x-rays. They said he broke it at the elbow, so it's serious break. Take him down to Sherman. It'll take a specialist. I take him down to Sherman. They admit him into a room. I try to talk to the people that, listen, I know it appears his arm is broke, but something else is wrong. And uh, no, it's just a broke arm. He'll be all right. They thought I was an overreacting parent. And I couldn't explain to them the voice of God. Some of you haven't got it after three hours. <laughs> and so I can't explain all this to them and act the fool. So I'm just trying to be loving about it and say, look, just could you have somebody check him? I don't know what's wrong, but something, I'm telling you, something else is wrong. They called the specialist. Specialist said that uh, tell him I'll be there in the morning. I'm eating with my family and I'll be there in the morning. And they told me that. And I said, look, I know, I know this seems strange, but I'm just telling you something's wrong and I don't know what it is. And uh, would you call him back again? After that specialist had operated on Jacob days later, months later, it wasn't too long later, he told me the story that when we called the second time, he had two kids at the table. And this man is an atheist. But he asked his children, he said, there's a man that has a boy, six years old, that broke his arm, that's wanting me to come in and just check him. We're going to vote on it. And he let the kids vote. Can he run back to the hospital and just look at him and then come right back? And the, and the kids heard God. The little kids. See, kids hear God. They're not cynical like us. They haven't been taught to unbelieve yet. They believe animals talk. 
They believe the supernatural. So he runs in. He told me later he was going to come in. He was mad. He was going to come in, look at Jacob, look at me and say, I'll be back in the morning and leave. He came in. He looked at Jacob. He turned to look at me and he went and said, prep him immediately for surgery. Now that's where my soul kicked in and I, 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 I was leaning more human than supernatural. I mean, I knew I'd heard God, but what happened here? What had happened was he broke his arm here and he had cut his main artery and his shoulder was swollen and nobody saw that or recognized that. He was almost bled to death by the time the specialist got there and the specialist saw it and prepped him immediately for surgery. What if I hadn't heard God? I can tell you step after step where I heard God, but I had to mix faith with it. And I can question where maybe I didn't hear God or wasn't where I needed to be. But all I know is I prayed for little Jacob that he would feel no pain. I had to tell him when he held his little arm up, he expected me to do something. So I prayed that there would be no pain. All pain left, he had surgery on his elbow, never took an aspirin or pain medicine. He never had an ounce of pain through that whole experience. I'm telling you, it was supernatural. It was God. It was God. I'm convinced my son is alive. What if I hadn't heard God on the pond? He had almost bled to death with specialists around him. What if I hadn't heard God when I tried to, what if I'd have grabbed his arm and tried to put that back together with a cut artery and me not knowing he's bleeding to death? We need to hear God. We need to hear God. Well, I hope you were blessed. Man, I love you. It's been exciting. God bless you. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.